honestly, the military has given me a lot. It's given me um, opportunities to do things that I never thought I was going to be able to do. You prepare them the best you can. The military is just another extension of that. When I was thinking of joining the military, there wasn't really anyone around me, but at the end of the day, I needed to do what was best for me. Aloha mai kako. My name is Kevin O'Brien. It is great to be back with you for our podcast series, Hikina Rising. And the best platform to listen to Hikina Rising is Podbeam. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we had a good run of podcasts in uh, up through 2019. We've uh, been on some uh, hold for various reasons. Uh, certainly the situation worldwide and... Uh, uh, other reasons, but we are glad to be back. Uh, Hikina Rising, uh, we're up to about 13 or 14 episodes, uh, and it's super great to be back. Remember, Hikina Rising uh, is a gateway for our alumni. Uh, it's a resource for our students, and it's a good listen for our school, Ohana. So uh, the Kamehameha School's Maui alumni is really the uh, focus of this, uh, and just sort of giving advice to uh, Kamehameha School's Maui's present-day students. This is all the brains, and let's give some uh, thanks here at the front of this uh, story. Uh, Hikina Rising is the brain, uh, comes from the brains of Lisa Correa, and we want to thank her for uh, uh, her thought process and her efforts to get these podcasts going. This is it's her baby, and um, I am trying to honor uh, the great effort that she has put into um, getting these things started. Also want to thank my good friend, Kaholo Ricard, Mr. Ricard, the great math teacher uh, at Kamehameha Schools Maui. Uh, he's the brains of the operation. He's on the board. He's on the computer. Um, he is definitely the brains of the operation. He and I are going to have some podcasts having to do with sports again. We, he and I did a couple having to do with sports, and hopefully he and I will be back on that again. Okay, so today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been a goal of mine. Um, if you were to check the Hikina Rising list of episodes, uh, and if you checked out episode 11, that was part one of what I called my military trilogy podcasts. And uh, uh, my goal uh, and the reasoning um, for my thoughts about having podcasts about uh, our alumni that have joined the United States military is all explained in episode 11. It has to do with where I'm from and uh, those types of things. And if you would like to hear my part of that story, you just listen to the beginning of episode 11. Episode 11 focused on uh, an alumnus who uh, she joined the Army National Guard while she was going to college. She became uh, a member of the ROTC at um, Army ROTC while she was going to college. So that was sort of part one. Uh, today, part two is going to be about uh, our some alumni who enlisted uh, not necessarily exactly right out of high school, but they enlisted in the um, the United States military. Part three, which will be coming up, be on the lookout for it, will have to do with uh, military uh, alumni who have chosen to go to military academies. Uh, we've had uh, now we have our fourth alumni in a military academy right now. All right, so uh, let's get on with it. Here we go. Our, the Military Trilogy, Part 2. Uh, I have two great gentlemen, one or two uh, awesome guys who were my students back in the day. Uh, two of my favorite guys, I can tell you. Um, really proud of these guys for everything they've done. They were great. They were super fun to have in class. Um, 
very proud of these guys, and I'm really grateful, really grateful that they uh, are here to join me today. So let's do this in alphabetical order. Why don't you two guys introduce yourself, alphabetical order. All right, go ahead. All right, so uh, what's going on, everybody? My name is Jake Bernardino. Uh, I graduated from Kamehameha Schools in 2007. Uh, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps uh, October 11th, uh, 2011, and I served for five years getting out uh, roughly the same time span, uh, uh, roughly the same month in October. So that's what I did. Of 2016, okay. Of 2016, yes. All right, very good, Jake. Thank you. All right, go ahead. Uh, my name is Rocky Matsuda. I was class of 2010. Uh, I listed in the Air Force in May 2011, and I separated in December 2018. Okay, very good. So you both kind of got in at the same time. Very interesting. All right, so uh, so let's start with Rocky. I'm going to start with you. Back in the day, when you were in high school, or even before, and uh, what was this? What was the what was the nexus of uh, the military thought process in your head? And maybe you could tell us about the movie Hardball from 2001 uh, starring Keanu Reeves and what that may have had to do with your uh, story of getting into uh, thinking about going to the military when you were a young man. So I, was, uh, I really thought about it a little bit when I was like young, but at around like eight years old when that movie came out, I was doing like what most eight-year-olds do and try to mimic the movie in my backyard uh, in Kahului. So I was bunting these baseballs in my backyard. One popped over the wall, smashed my neighbor's window. Um, so I walk across the, to my neighbor's door and I knock on it. I'm like, Hey, sorry about your window. Eight years old, expecting to get like yelled at. And, uh, my neighbor, uh, Gilbert Armorall, uh, he was like the nicest person I ever met. Like he came in, we, we negotiated terms on the window, which basically entailed me just doing yard work for him. Um, and I found out a lot about him through that. He was actually a army veteran. He fought in Korea and Vietnam. Um, he was born the same year as my grandfather. And he showed me like his uh, military shadow boxes with all his medals and stuff, pictures. And the real moment for me was when he, I was helping him pick up trash one time and I can still remember the exact way it looked. He told me one time that, uh, if you really want to appreciate the gifts that this country gives to every American citizen, you have to serve it first. And that was the first moment where I was like, oh, maybe I do want to join the military and start looking to that thing. And I had uncles that served in the military in the army and Vietnam and stuff like that. So this was like groundbreaking. And then the second moment I had was actually with you at close up. We went to DC standing in front of the uh, war memorials, like the world war two Vietnam, like, Mm -hmm. I actually kept going back to DC at least once every two years because of that trip. And I took my wife and my, my mother and you know, those are the big moments for me that I actually was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, this is the thing. So these are, these are things that are manifesting themselves in high school. And what rock is uh, talking about is the uh, spring break trip that uh, I've been fortunate enough to take uh, Kamehameha Maui students t- on to Washington, DC. Uh, I've gone about 13 times altogether in the two schools I've, uh, taught at you know, on Maui. Yeah, it's a great trip, and I remember uh, I remember that trip very vividly. My wife went with 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 us on that trip, Rockney, and uh, that's always a good trip. The war memorials are very good. All right, Jake, uh, let's go to you here briefly. Why don't you tell us a little bit about when you were a young man, and what was the influential moment or person? Um, did you have family members that were part of the military that made you uh, that planted the seed in your head, maybe when you were a young man? 
Right. Yeah. Um, like uh, with Rockney, I don't have quite the same influential uh, story. You know, that, that's a pretty great story. But um, I do have family members that served. Uh, my grandfather was in the Navy during World War II. Two of my three cousins uh, wound up entering the service. One in the Navy, he became a submariner. Another one became uh, a ranger in the Army. So that was always kind of present in my life. And it was actually something I was I always wondered why. Why, why did they do that? Hmm. Um, so it wasn't really so much in high school where I was influenced by it, but a little bit after high school. Um, it was actually... Uh, I was hanging out with Aaron Guerrero and William Donmao. I'm sure you remember William, of course. But uh, we were really good friends in high school. We were hanging out. And one day at a McDonald's and down in Kahului, William comes up to me. He's like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm joining the Marine Corps and I'm leaving. Um, actually, I'm leaving like this month. And, you know, Aaron and I were pretty shocked by it. But again, he was trying to explain to us why he felt the need to do this. And at the time, I don't think I quite understood it myself. But I was still very much so, you know, a young kid just doing his thing, figuring it out. So the impetus to join actually came after I spent some time in the workforce. I attempted college and uh, I began to, began to feel like, you know, this isn't quite working right for me. So at which point I started talking more to William again, and he became a really important person to started set me on the right path. And then I started talking to more of my grandfather and my cousins and learning more about it, at which point uh, I decided to go ahead and uh, speak with a recruiter. So that's kind of what got me going that route. Okay, so Jake, let me ask you this. Did while you were in high school here, did was there ever something during your high school time that uh maybe inched you along, maybe not as much as you've just described, was there something in high school that maybe inched you along or not? I mean, that's a tough one to pinpoint. Um only because my mindset was so different at that time as a young man, because I did join later, not right, right. out of high school. Right. Um but I do remember seeing the ROTC guys and thinking that was like it was interesting. I was, I was definitely wondering what that was all about. And then, of course, I love history. I love being in your class. I loved military history. That was something that always interested me. And realizing at a later date that I could become part of that was something I think that might have eventually inched me along. I asked this to uh, my guest in my previous podcast. Do you, uh, you recall Baldwin High School before football games? Baldwin High School's ROTC kids march mm -hmm. out onto the field. Was that something that you recollect? I mean, you were a football player here. Is you something you recollect? Did that some, was that Absolutely. something you thought about? About joining ROTC? Well, just, uh, just put it, just knowing that it's out there. Yeah, no, like, like I said, I remember seeing that and I, I was definitely curious about what it was. Um, Cause I don't think I'd really seen that before. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely one of my first in, uh, experiences with it, like up close and in person was at those games and, okay. and seeing them do all those drills, you know, the, the, the flat, the color guard and everything. Jake, yeah. did you go to college right after high school? I did. Yes. I, uh, I went with actually a small cohort of, of guys from Kamehameha schools, Maui, and we went up to the university of Montana Western playing football. That's right. Yes. That's right. And then how long did you, how long were you there for? Not long at all. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> that was my first time away from home. Uh, I got a big dose of homesickness mm -hmm. and I, that's when I realized that, uh, football wasn't for me. I thought it was, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I was pursuing out of, of high school as I'm sure many young men who play the sport do. Mm -hmm. Um, so, that uh, resulted in me coming home after a year. And then I, I attempted community college here on Maui at the time, MCC. Mm -hmm. um, and I eventually wound up in the workforce at uh, the age of 19. Okay. Okay. Uh, and by the way, all of you listeners, I can assure you that Jake was an excellent high school football player. Uh, 
Um, I can attest to that. Okay, so uh, Rockney, to you, you commented about the close-up trip. Was there anyone else while you were in high school uh, that made you think about this? Or uh, I know that you went to UH Manoa. Did you go right after high school? Is that correct? I did. Okay, I went straight so to UH Manoa. Was there, was there ever something in high school that made you think about the military? Or was it strictly, okay, I'm just going to go to school and see what happens? Uh, like every person in high school, I mean, I everybody was just saying, go to college, go to college. That's mm-hmm. what, what the future is. And I kind of was a lot of very much into music. I wanted to be a music engineer and run boards and stuff like that. So I was just like, okay, everybody else is going to college. I might as well go. But as far as in commandment of schools and within my family, when I was in high school, like it was a big no, no, like we, we didn't talk about it. Like I kind of kept it super close to my chest because mm-hmm just like, you know, stereotypes and my uncles who fought in Vietnam never talked about it. And so I kind of just kept to myself about it. And the group of friends I had, we didn't talk about it. So yeah, I just went to college like everybody else. And then my life out. And then how long did you stay at UH Manoa? Uh, Physically, I stayed for a couple months, but I stopped going to class after maybe a month. I was actually working federal work study, cutting grass. I don't recommend skipping classes. It's just, I didn't fit in at all. Mm-hmm. Not with anybody I was going to class with. Everybody was focused on school and I was focused on, I liked working. Okay. So you said that you, gra- okay, we, we graduated in 2010, but you said you joined in 2011. Okay. So what pushed it? Um, I, when I dropped out, finally, I was living with my older sister on Oahu and then I moved back home to uh, Hana and I was working at the grocery store and I was just kind of, eating a, a hot dog. I, I remember the moment I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I was eating a hot dog outside of Hana store. And I was like, there has to be more to life. Like I, I, I just recently talked to my neighbor, Mr. Amaral, like the week before I, I came out for groceries and went back in and I was like, I'm going to go do this. And I went straight to the recruiter. <laughs> and so uh, we'll get into the choice of the Marines versus the air force uh, that you guys both did. Um, the, rec- the recruiting stations are were at the Kahumano Center, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, did that, looks like both of you guys went there. All right, so, uh, Rockney, what did your family say? Were your sisters no, surprised? I don't, I don't recommend this either for people who want to join the military. I didn't tell anybody. I took the ASVAB. I basically signed on the dotted line. Then I went home, and I told my mom. I was like, yeah, I enlisted. I leave. Um, I told my recruiter I wanted the first available job. So I told her I could leave tomorrow. I could leave next month, um, but I enlisted. Yeah. And so what was the reaction? What was the reaction of your family after that? Um, it was pretty dramatic. Like any concerned mother and father and uh, family, they were like, why, why'd you do this? You know, you could, you're going to go to war and all this stuff, especially with like just typical stereotypes of the military. And um, I kept telling him that Mr. Armour was a huge influence on me. I had like known people that went into the military and I just, it was just a calling. I, I, felt like I needed to answer. It was the itch I needed to scratch. And yeah, it was not a positive at first reaction okay. until I later on. Yeah. Very interesting. All right, Jake, what was the reaction of, uh, what was the moment? And then what was the reaction of your family? Yeah. Uh, very similar to Rockney. Um, the only difference being my age, uh, at that point I had been working at the, uh, in the hotel industry for about three years as a security guard. Um, and it was, you know, everything was going really well. I was making good money. I was, I was doing okay for myself, but I wasn't really going anywhere. There wasn't a lot of growth, uh, room for growth in the company. And, you know, it, it was going to, I'd have to wait for someone to retire in 10 years to even make one step up 
but you know, at the time for those three years I was working, it was okay. But then as I got towards the end of that third year, I was very similar to what Rockney was saying, where I was just like, there's gotta be more to life than this. I, I feel like there's, there's more I need to do to feel fulfilled, 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 excuse me. And to, uh, to push forward. Cause I'm stuck. I'm literally stuck. I couldn't advance. I was doing the same thing day in and day out. So at that point, I went right to the recruiter's office uh, and we started talking. Now, the difference in my story is that um, I actually had spoken with my parents about this idea and they were definitely not okay with it at first. Um, maybe not nearly as dramatic as Rockney's family, um, but my mother, of course, she was very concerned and the same stereotypes came up. You're gonna go to war, it's dangerous, this, that, and the other. But I never told them what branch I was joining. I just told them that I wanted to join the military, right? So then to help my mother feel a little better, I was like, you can come with me and talk to the recruiters. I mean, at this point, I'm a 22-year-old man and I've been working for a while. So, you know, a little little different, um, but yeah. I, I felt better about it having her talk, uh, having her come with me to the recruiters. And uh, we talked to the, the Air Force guy. Actually, the Air Force guy wasn't even there. The office was closed. <laughs> but we went, we went in to speak with the Navy recruiter, the Marine recruiter, and the Army recruiter. And when, you know, she came out, she, she was like, okay, I feel a little better, but which branch did you decide on? And then I was like, well, mom, I'm, I'm going to join the Marines. And then we hit a whole new level of, of stereotypes mm -hmm. because she's like, you, you should try to join the Navy, something else, you know, mm -hmm. but not the Marines. I'm like, mom, mom, it's, it's okay. This is what I want to do. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, that was when I made that choice. And at first it was it was mostly for my mom. She was worried for my safety, but my dad was proud that I was, was doing this. And she eventually came around to it as well, because like I said, I have some family that at the time they were actually active duty as well. So my family was a little more understanding of it. Okay. All right. Very good. Very interesting. All right. Now, Rocky mentioned this, but, uh, uh, something he mentioned something called the ASVAB. So that stands for, if you're interested, everyone, that stands for the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery Test. Jake, did you take the ASVAB? Uh, yes, everyone who joined the military does. Um, yeah, I, I took the ASVAB, um, and I had a pretty long wait time before I was able to ship out. Uh, I had a specific job that I wound up getting, so the wait was a while. But leading up to my um, time to do that, I had already started studying even before I had spoken to a recruiter because I wanted to find out like, what do I need to do to prepare for this? If I'm going to make this choice, I'm going to go in ready for it. So I had picked up books at, at uh, Barnes and Nobles for like, you know, the ASVAB for dummies. I'm, I'm sure it had a right. different name, but you know, I, I started digging into it and uh, it was a pretty comprehensive test. Some of it made sense. Other things were a little more, um, I wasn't sure why we were being tested on it, mostly like pattern recognition and like understanding how certain shapes fit this way. But the ASVAB is designed to figure out where your aptitudes lie and that helps get you job placement within the military. So um, for my ASVAB score, I had a, a specific score and I won't go into too much detail about the different types, but they wound up putting me in a communications um, MOS or military occupational specialty, if you couldn't tell. Um, that involved, uh, well, lots of radios. So there was electronic equipment being, you know, used and, uh, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see how the military does that. Full, uh, full disclosure. I took the ASVAB, uh, a long time ago, well, sort of when I was in college as well. Uh, so Rocky, what was your experience with the ASVAB test? Um, different from Jake, cause I recently graduated high school. So I 
probably took the I mean the SAT maybe a year ago. I just went and they the Air Force actually had a I don't know if the Marine Corps had it, but the Air Force recruiter had a uh, practice exam mm-hmm. like thing you could take. It was like twenty minutes, and he said, "Oh, you're you're good. Just go take the actual ASVAB." So I walked went over there. He drove me over there. Took the ASVAB. I scored uh, decent, I guess, and I kind of went to the same career field as Jake, um, communications, specializing in radios and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. It's interesting that both of you guys are music guys. Both of you guys were, I remember both of you being music guys and, and, uh, you know, Mr. Ricard is smiling over here because he's working the boards and, uh, you know, Rocky, your comment a moment ago. So, uh, that's very interesting. It's, it's, it's strange the parallels to your, both your stories, uh, before and even during the military, your military time. Okay. So Rocky, you finally go, uh, let's talk about one of the, Okay, Jake's talking about stereotypes. One of the stereotypes of the military is basic training, boot camp, whatever you call it. So, Rockney, where did you get shipped off to, and what was your boot camp basic training experience like? Granted, take for granted that this is the Air Force. It's the easiest one, I believe. So I shipped off to uh, Air Force basic training, I believe, right now um, is still at San Antonio. It's at Lackland Air Force Base um, in Texas. Yeah, it's super hot if you go during the summer times, winter times. I've heard it actually snowed once in a while. I mean, recently Texas actually snowed, so I'm sure they got some of that. Um, but yeah, so it was in there. Basic, I mean, I didn't really have too much of an issue with the the stereotypes of like, oh, they're going to yell at you and hit you and all this other stuff. The discipline part was easy, like yelling is yelling. I didn't really get offended at anything. The hard part for me was like physical stuff, because I'm sure you remember I was like 100 and. 30 pounds wet probably in high school at six foot one. Like mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact, like they helped me gain a lot of muscle mass while I was in there. I actually left at 150. Um, I learned a lot of like different, they teach you a lot of military basic stuff, uh, techniques, survival, um, tactics, military history, regulations and all that stuff. But it was eight weeks long, but it was pretty, a lot of it, classroom intensive air force stuff. And um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jake here, you know, here's your stereotypes, Jake, right? The, the Marine Corps <laughs> boot camp uh, supposedly is the toughest thing maybe in the world they talk about. Is that what your experience was? What was your boot camp experience like? Right. So, uh, I'm definitely going to say as far as, uh, standard training for basic entry-level service members, the Marine Corps is definitely the top one, I, I imagine I, I've not met anyone from any other branches who who would uh, tell me otherwise. But uh, yeah, so boot camp for me, um, the stereotypes for that again. I had William, uh, who kind of I remember he called me an hour before I got on the bus to get to the depot, and we were kind of he was just trying to tell me all of these things that I needed to remember, and I'm not going to remember any of them because I'm just so nervous. But it was quite the experience. So just to give you an idea. Where, um, where was it, Jake? Yeah, the, uh, the United States Marine Corps has two training depots, uh, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And depending where you live in the States, um, if you're east of the Rockies, you go to uh, Paris Island, which is the original um, training depot for the United States Marine Corps. And then they open the second one uh, for everyone west of the Rockies, including um, Hawaii and the territories, Guam, Puerto Rico, stuff like that. So I wound up going to United States Marine Corps uh, Recruit Depot, San Diego. 
Um, and you know what? I got to say, it was probably worse that it was in San Diego rather than Paris Island because there's nothing worse than seeing airplanes coming in and out every day knowing you can't leave on them. <laughs> I know I'm setting up quite the lovely scene here. No. Um, so uh, boot camp for me, uh, it's 13 weeks long for the United States Marine Corps. Um, I'm not sure if that's changed since I got out. I know that there were some adjustments made. But the training itself is broken up into three phases that's meant to break down the individual yep. and rebuild them back into a basic Marine. Um, the training in its different phases encompasses drill, which is extremely important in the United States Marine Corps. We, we still adhere to that very strongly. I know the Army does as well, but it's, it's dang near religion uh, for the Marines. Um, at least in boot camp and for drill instructors. Um, then phase two is more of that tactical um, side of it. You know, you're learning how to properly use your weapon, how to, you know, set things up in a, uh, in a field situation. And there's a whole lot more to that, uh, the more practical side of it, if you will. And then phase three is you're, you're going through what is essentially finals for the Marine Corps. You're doing final drill. You're going up to do the crucible, which is the one thing I'm sure everyone who's heard about the Marine Corps, uh, that that's the big one, the big final event. Um, and on top of the 13 weeks of training that I was in for, um, I also wound up getting injured in, uh, in boot camp. So I spent an additional month um, in, in San Diego being treated as a recruit. And in the Marines, um, I, it's yes, you are definitely yelled at a lot. You are definitely, you know, run to and from everywhere. When I had entered in, a lot of the I guess regulations in regards to hazing were really starting to be taken into uh, effect uh, throughout the military in general, but specifically the Marine Corps, because of their the way they train their their um, Marines. Uh, they have probably the longest history of hazing. But while I was in, it was mostly just yelling, and uh, they called it. IT or uh, incentivized training where you basically get up on the quarter deck if you or anyone near you gets in trouble and you all just you get PT'd until you're throwing up. It's not really not all the time, but um, yeah, it was a very intense experience. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't remember at least the first month because I was just tired constantly because um, we were always moving, always doing stuff. It was physically demanding. And unlike Rockney, I actually went in heavy set. I was about 230 pounds. I had to lose 20 pounds before I could even go. So I had to lose a bunch of weight. Um, and in that process, uh, you know, that, that wore me out. Sure. But by the end of training, I was actually 185 pounds. Wow. That's how light I was. Wow. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to Marine Corps boot camp, um, more than I can probably talk about here, but it is very intense. And there's a lot of information. We also had classrooms, um, sessions, just like Rocky mentioned with the Air Force, uh, obviously tailored towards the Marine Corps side of things. They talk a lot about history. Um, they talk a lot about tactics, basic Marine stuff. You go through how to treat wounds, different combat injuries, do triage. Um, you spend time at the rifle range using your weapon. Um, yeah, so I, I hope that sums it up. Fully <laughs> intense. I mean, there's, it's an all-around training, yes. Okay, yes. so... so does the training that you do sort of sort of you both describe the second half of the training is that what ultimately uh makes the military decide okay we're going to send this guy once he's fully in to this particular place or we're going to send this um uh new member 
uh, to this place because this is the particular thing that their aptitude is or they're best at. So Jake was, where did you get sent after, where did you get stationed, I guess, after you finished and became a full Marine and did boot camp have anything to do with that? Uh, right. Yes. Um, so the Marines do it a little differently. Uh, one of the basic tenets of the Marine Corps is that every Marine is a rifleman. Uh, adhering to those tenets, the Marine Corps actually has a second phase of what you might call or consider um, boot camp. So after you complete the 13 week boot camp, you are a basic Marine, but you are not combat trained fully yet, at which point, depending on your uh, MOS, your military occupational specialty, you will go to one of two follow on schools. If you are non infantry, you go to what's called Marine combat training, which is where I went since I was not an infantry Marine. Um, if you are infantry or anything related to the infantry field, you go to what's called the school of infantry. Uh, and again, both coasts have these schools. Uh, the difference being um, time and what they put into those trainings. So for the school of infantry, much heavier focus on um, unit tactics, different weapons like the uh, AT4 uh, missile systems, um, the 50 caliber machine guns, like they go through a lot more infantry based um, schooling because that is their job. That's what they're going off to do. But because of, again, going back to this idea of every Marine is a rifle, uh, rifleman, any Marine can get pulled up into what's called a provisional rifle company, or you can be sent out beyond the wire to go on a patrol. So you have to know basics, like this is how you perform a patrol. This is how you dig a you know a fighting hole. This is how you operate a squad automatic weapon. So we, you know, and that's just some of the things we learn, but for the non-infantry side, it's just condensed and there's a lot less of it that doesn't pertain to us. So that was where I went first. And then from there, I went to my primary school where I learned my official job. Um, but no, it, uh, for the Marines, it has nothing to do with how you perform in basic training. It's, yeah. it's all kind of designated before you go. And partially by the ASVAB, what we were talking about, partially yes. that has to do with the ASVAB. Okay. Rocky, yes, your experience absolutely. after boot camp. where did you get sent? I'm curious to where Jake went, but, um, I actually went to Mississippi at Keesler air force base with, um, that's where they teach most of the communications, um, career fields because, I actually had some, there's Marines there too, learning some, I think, uh, ATC or traffic control skills. Um, so I went to Mississippi for 10 months learning my job. Um, and they basically broke down electronic principles, how electronics work. They go into radio communications across high frequency at the low side, low side and all the way up to super high frequencies and stuff like that. Um, and then once I finished that, the technical training, learning my job, um, the Air Force graduates you and you get sent off to your first uh, duty station where I got stationed actually at Fort Bragg, North Carolina um, with the 82nd Airborne. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Which is an army unit. Correct. <laughs> okay. All right. Very interesting. Okay. So now you're rocking your full-blown uh, member of the United States Air Force. Uh, you know, one of the things that all of the military uh, branches sort of use as a recruiting tool is hey, you can see the world. This is a way for you to uh, go see places that you may never uh, will get a chance to see otherwise. So, Rockney, why don't you tell us about your experiences? Uh, where did you get, did you go abroad? Did you, uh, what's the coolest place you ever saw when you went abroad? Okay, uh, this is a good part for parents to listen to. Um, so in the Air Force, you really don't go to, 
um, a lot of dangerous places. My actual first two years of my career, I didn't deploy. I didn't go anywhere. The unit I was attached to, they were deploying, um, but they were going to like uh, nice built up bases downrange in like Iraq or Afghanistan. These places are built up to where they actually have uh, coffee stores like Starbucks. Like it's a typical stereotypical Air Force. You, what you heard is true. <laughs> um, but I actually had um, one of my mentors convince me to apply to I got an email for special operations based off my PT score in the Air Force. So I applied and I went through a selection program for a week, uh, passed. I was, there's five guys that passed pre-screening out of those five guys. There's two of us that actually passed selection. Hmm. Then I joined this other unit for Air Force Special Operations Command. And that's where my life changed. Um, as far as traveling, I was gone 240 days out of the year, either training TDY for its temporary duty. I'd go anywhere stateside. And then um, my last two years in the military, I actually did deploy to uh, Africa. Um, a couple countries in Northwest Africa, I went from one deployment, I went to roughly about four of them. I was traveling around. It was about 10, of, 10 Americans. We were working with some French people, um, French military and some local uh, military there. Um, I've traveled to Germany, traveled to Sicily. Um, I've seen the world. I definitely, and I've met some amazing people. So for parents, like statistically only 10% of the military ever encounters combat. And for the rest of the military, um, you are helping out the mission, but there are combat veterans and there are veterans that support the mission as a support function. So, yeah, so I have traveled a lot, but definitely have not seen the combat you see in movies. So you even working for that. You were doing communication operations for a special ops unit correct like i had to go through every single training they had to go through minus the you know navy steel selection and doc that you see on tv i basically got to go to shooting schools driving schools survival schools where they beat you up um to you know learn how to handle abductions was um, it was it was it fun i actually i i'm i bit i built a quite a uh, appetite for it um i got addicted to like adrenaline and I was like oh man like like in high school like I was a tiny guy I never really played sports like then I found this calling to do special operations work and I was like man this stuff's awesome and and it wasn't that I was um it was kind of like my myself I was like built for it I was getting really good at everything like I actually learned stuff quicker my aptitude was just getting fed by all this knowledge on random tactics, shooting, fast roping out of helicopters, all this other stuff. And I was just soaking it all in. And it, honestly, that was the best part of my career the last four years doing special operations work. Awesome. All right, Jake, what is your thoughts about this? Where did you, did you get sent abroad and did you see some cool places? Yeah. So, uh, as soon as I finished primary school and to answer your question, Rockney, I, uh, I spent four months in 29 Palms, California for my primary school. So that, that should tell you everything you need to know right there. So I finished up there and my first duty station was in Okinawa, Japan, which, uh, that was, it was interesting. I went to an Island from an Island. It had a lot of similarities, but just aside from the fact that it was an Island, everything was really different. The culture was different the institutions were different. Uh, everything around me was different. So it was just this immediate culture shock. Now, granted, we were put on a base um, and in some ways kind of segregated from the local population because while we were there, the uh, 
the Okinawans were not overly fond of the Americans. Um, there had been multiple incidences where uh, MV-22 Ospreys had crashed and caused some uh, international incidents. I remember that. So we actually, every every day, I would see protests outside the gate, but neither here nor there. Um, the uh, Along with Okinawa, Japan, and getting to experience some of that uh, place and its culture, I wound up going to be attached to an Air Force unit, um, which related directly to my MOS. Um, and I spent time in South, uh, South Korea. Um, I've also been to Thailand. Um, I've been to actually one of the uh, best places tying into something great to see was I actually got the opportunity to go to the island of Iwo Jima as well. And uh, not that that was a duty station, that was just a, a thing we did. But yeah, so I spent a lot of my time in Asia. Um, I never deployed overseas, but, uh, and I'm uh, looking back on it now, I am thankful for that. But a lot of time in Asia and seeing just that side of the world, how differently they they live. Um, it was definitely kind of eye-opening. Was, yeah. it, did, was it fun? <laughs> yes, actually, uh, I had quite a bit of fun. Um, not necessarily in the going going out and partying kind of sense, but the fact that whenever we went to these places, we were we were there for a mission. We were there to do a job, and being able to excel at your job and and see other places while you do it, you know, or rather not excel, but practice and put into practice your job and see other places and work with other militaries while you do it. Um, it's a pretty phenomenal uh, thing to experience. Um, I mean, I've worked with Jordanians, Iraqis, uh, Thais, um, Koreans, obviously, um, Japanese Defense Force guys. I mean, I've worked with people from all over the world. And, um, you know, you, you work hard. Then when it's all said and done, you um, you spend some time enjoying adult beverages and talking about the day. It's uh, it was quite the experience. Yeah. So so the fact of the matter is, though, Jake, I mean, you could have gone to war, couldn't you? I mean, and, th- and that, that is something, was that part of your thought process and realization as you uh, went through this experience that you may have to go to war? What, what, what were your thoughts as, about that? Uh, well, when I enlisted in the Marine Corps, I initially wanted to be a machine gunner, but my ASVAB score and my recruiter said no. So I wound up moving into this MOS, but it was always something that was in the back of my mind. And I was actually training really hard um, when I arrived in Okinawa because I wanted to get into uh, MARSOC or Marine Special Operations Command, which had just been newly formed because I I wanted to do that. That was the thing I wanted to do deep down, at least I thought. Um, And when I had arrived to my first unit, they had just stopped sending full up units of my MOS to the Middle East. So I had just missed that boat. But they were still sending guys over in ones and twos as attachments. And that was still something that was happening, but I was still pretty young and that was, that was reserved for the more senior guys. So um, yeah, it was something that crossed my mind and I have participated in real world events that could have precipitated war. One in particular, um, I was in South Korea and we were, my job includes radar and we were set up to observe a certain uh, person who lives just north of South Korea mm-hmm. because he had been, you know, saber rattling again. Hmm. And <laughs> we witnessed all of that happen in real time. No one knew what it was, but, you know, tensions were running high. Japan was was threatening retaliation. America was duty bound to defend it. So, like, seeing that happen and knowing that this could lead to something and being kind of the first ones to be like, hey, it's happening you know, that, that could have kicked off a whole chain of events. And that was something that we took very seriously mm-hmm. as our 
as how we supported the overall mission of the United States military. So yeah, that, that definitely crossed my mind. Granted, the capacity in which I would have gone to war is different than somebody who's going down range, but sure. it was there. Okay. All right, Rocky, same question. Going to war is, I mean, again, this is sort of what your parents, both your sets of parents were worried about, right? You could potentially go to war. What are, Rocky, what are your thoughts about that and how you dealt with that or thought about it? Um, same thing. It's just concerned about like, yeah, like, I mean, that's what I signed up for, but especially when I got into my last unit um, and doing those type of missions, it was more of a, yeah, that could happen. And we did train for it a lot, especially for the incidents that he's talking about um, with Korea. But um, just knowing, like, especially in the military in general, it doesn't matter what unit you're in. Once you find brothers and sisters that are like, like, you know, they're going to take care of you regardless. You guys are all training together, you know, you know how everybody feels about each other. It's a, it's a different form of love when it comes to your teams. Like my teammates of, of 18 people, like I had no concern that if I ever got hurt or whatever, if we did go to war, like they would do their best, but no promises do their best to bring me back. Mm-hmm. And it was reciprocated with our families. Also, I had friends that would call my wife if she needed anything, we would help out each other families. Like war was definitely scary, but um, it's kind of one of those things you're called to serve. You volunteered for this, like, you accept the risk and try to do your best to make sure everybody comes home. Okay. Very well said. All right. Uh, l- let me take a little different track here. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the, your, you, this is a good segue, Rockney, uh, to my next question about w- what about the diversity of the air force? Um, how, I'm sure you met people from all over the United States and people of different backgrounds and, how many, how many women do you see in the uh, United States Air Force and those types of things? Why don't you address the diversity of the, uh, of the United States Air Force? Um, as a whole, like, I was actually shocked from the moment I joined the military. I had a one person I came to, you basically got a lot of one bag. And when I came to basic, this person had a trash bag. And uh, he actually told me, he's like, this is all I have in a bag. He was about, I think he was 26 years old. He had nothing he would just basically join the military to have a house um but as far as diversity um i've I've best friends from jamaica Uh, i have best friends from guam um internationally i have for my deployment i have friends in france um but as far as the military you meet any you name the stereotype or whatever type of person you've probably met them at least once or twice um it's very diverse My, my yeah i had guys from arkansas guys from florida guys from texas and it wasn't the diversity that separated us. It was actually the diversity that brought us together. So it was actually pretty cool. Okay. Was there a lot of female, uh, a lot of females in the United States Air Force? Actually, I don't know if this is a, but yeah, there was a lot. Um, my first unit when I got out of uh, my job training was a medical unit. And I would say at least 60% of the unit was all female nurses, uh, female enlisted uh, medical administrators, um, some females in my job doing radio um, work. But yeah, as far as the Air Force in general, I've, I would say a good maybe 30, 40% of the Air Force is women. I okay. think I would put that there. All right. Very interesting. All right, Jake, same question for you. What what can you tell our listeners about the diverse group of people that join the United States Marines? Uh, yeah, I'm, Rockney pretty much summed it up. I mean, all four branches, we, we get a slice from the diaspora that is America. I, I've served with people from all over the country, uh, people from the different territories. I had friends who are Guamanian, Chamorans. Um, yeah, it's all echoing what Rockney said. Um, 
And it really opened my eyes up because some of these people from some of the places they're from, I'd never been, never even heard of. Um, and as far as, as females in the Marine Corps, uh, that's, that is definitely something that we did not have nearly as much of. Um, the United States Marine Corps, uh, 2% of the U.S. population serves actively. And of that 2%, 1% is the United States Marine Corps. And 10% of that 1% is female. Uh, the United States Marine Corps is, is historically male simply because of what its mission is. Uh, we are the first to fight. We, you know, it's everything we do is like boots on the ground for like, again, a lot of it, even the support roles, we get pretty close to things. Not saying that they weren't there. Um, my own wife is actually, uh, she's a veteran as well. That's how we met was the United States Marine Corps, but there are significantly fewer women, um, in the, uh, U.S. Marines. And so uh, part of the reason for that may just be the opportunities available to these uh, to females entering into the military. One example I like to use is the fact that, like Rockney was saying, he was part of a medical unit. Um, in the Marines, we, we don't have a medical unit. The Navy handles that side of the house for us. And uh, so that some of these other branches provide large or more opportunities, excuse me, for some jobs that um, those females might be more interested in, especially if they're looking to carry that on uh, into the civilian side of things. A civilian uh, career, right. A civilian career. Exactly. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Okay. So, all right, gentlemen. So we're on the downhill slope here. So Jake, the day eventually comes where we're starting to think about getting out. What was your thought process? Uh, why did you get out? Was it time? What, 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 was your, what was your experience with the process of getting out? Right. Well, uh, my process or my experience with it was uh, they really, really didn't want me to go. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was uh, I was in a high demand MOS. Um, I was doing very well. And my job, they, they needed they were trying to keep people um, because there were so few of us that, that were doing what we were doing. But, um, you know, the military is, is a funny thing. You can you can love it. You can spend as much time as you can in it. But eventually you have to hang that uniform up and prepare for what comes next. I mean, everyone has to think about that. Some some guys I've talked to, some of my mentors and peers even say, you know, the moment you get in, you should be thinking about that next move because you never know what might happen. So for me, what really was the catalyst for deciding on getting out was the fact that I had started a family in the uh, in the Marines. And that that is a really hard thing to um, to do. I mad respect to everyone who does have a family and is active and is going and doing the mission. That's a hard thing to do. Um, the thing that doubled it up was my wife was also active duty. So we had basically we were burning the candle at both ends. And it was a uh, it was really hard for us, you know, when we wanted to maintain a healthy relationship and keep that going strong. So eventually um, I had to make a decision about how to kind of ease up that pressure a little bit. Um, whether it was career or family. And that's, um, that is a real thing that does happen um, in the military because these jobs are demanding. They are intense. Um, I wasn't deploying downrange like Rockney was, but I was traveling with the flying squadrons. Um, I'd be home for a week. I'd be gone for three, four weeks. Then I'd be home for a week and I'd be gone for three or four weeks. And that would be that, would be that way for an entire year. Were you, were um, you Jake, were you considering the military, the Marine Corps as a career? Absolutely. Yes, I was. Um, I actually had gone through the full process of re-enlistment, um, which involves a series of paperwork and, and physical evaluations. I had gotten right up to basically the final step and uh, I decided against it. And my reasoning was, was family. 
Now my situation is different. Every person's situation is different. And that choice is, you know, everyone has their reasons for it, but uh, I decided to get out because of that. I felt it would be healthier for my family to do that. Um, not again, not saying it's impossible to do, but in my particular circumstance, I felt it was the best choice. Okay. All right. Rocky, same question. What, what was the getting out process and thought process for you? Um, very similar to Jake's, uh, I actually signed an extension to stay in. I, I loved what I was doing. Um, it actually came down to one moment where it was hurricane Florence 2018 and I got pushed forward to a different state. And I was stationed in North Carolina that got hit by Oregon Florence, but I got pushed because um, basically we were on standby for something else. So my team and I went up to another state. My wife and my newly adopted son were at home in North Carolina in a hurricane. And I was gone, I think, for almost a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And I came home and I walked through the front door. And every time I came home, my son would hug me. And granted, at the time, he was like, just over one came through the door, did not hug me whatsoever. Like he looked like he barely recognized me and it was two weeks, but I was gone all the time, just like Jake was. So that moment for me, I actually took back my um, signed extension because it wasn't as hardcore as enlistment or reenlistment. So I talked to my boss and I told him, I was like, Hey, like I need to be with my family and all this other stuff. And uh, now we actually did that. And I got out um, two months after that in October. Okay. So, uh, Rock, were you considering a career in the Air Force? Absolutely. I would have retired. I was actually trying to get my commission to become an officer. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. It was the, it definitely one of the best choices I've ever made in my life. Definitely. Okay. All right. So let's uh, get towards the end here. And I'm going to give both of you an opportunity to say something uh, that I've missed or uh, say something that you really deep down in your heart want to say, and you want to tell let's let's frame it this way guys uh what would you tell any student at kamehameha schools maui today uh you're adults uh you're talking to high school kids now that are listening to you and to a degree their parents uh or you could say what would you uh tell the the high school age rockney what would you tell the high school age jake about the opportunities that you got into uh the um what did you get out of it are you proud of what you've done Okay. All right, Rodney, you want to take that on first? Um, sure. So to present students, and what I would say to myself is if, if you have an itch to do this, if you've been thinking about it even a little bit, I'm not saying go out and do it. I'm just saying go look into it because a lot of the stereotypes you hear about the military is that it's it's all robots. We've been working for Uncle Sam and all this stuff. But honestly, the military has given me a lot. It's given me um, opportunities to do things that I never thought I was going to be able to do. Um, I've jumped out of airplanes, like I've done cool stuff and I've done, I've learned a lot academically. Um, I'm actually currently through the, my GI bill going to school full-time. I graduate my bachelor's degree in, uh, by December. Um, and that's all paid for, believe it or not, the GI bill actually is paying me to go to school. Um, I've got this house. I just bought a house with my VA loan. Like as far as going into the military, it is terrifying. It's horrifying because you're, you're afraid of this war you're afraid of all the stereotypes but honestly it's the greatest decision ever made it's presented me with more open doors than closed doors and every door may not have been as easy to push open but they're definitely able to push it open and to parents um i actually told my cousin this for his son who was thinking about joining the military about a month ago is that saying goodbye to your kid as a become an adult period out of high school is terrifying and it's going to be um worrisome so saying goodbye to your kid as a join the military is even worse 
but just know that something in them, whether it's honor, service to country, um, beliefs, whether it's just wanting to do something more because they're thirsty for it or hungry for it, that's the values you put in them. That's values that you fed to them. That's values that you instilled in them and they want to share it with the world. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to go to sleep at night while they're doing stuff, even on deployments, but just be this. They want to make you proud at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to. It's all the values you've instilled in you're there want to make you proud and they want to do something that's above and beyond what um, the average person does and give back. So just find comfort in that. And if your kid wants to join the military or a student, like don't dismiss it because of fear, like just dive into that with them, get the answers that they need with them. So you guys can actually have an honest point to point conversation rather than falling into the stereotypes of basically what it is fear and holding your student back from what they could possibly become in the military and the opportunities that are in front of them. Okay. Incredible. All right. All right, Jake, what are your thoughts? Uh, What would you tell young Jake? What opportunities, what doors, same type of thing. Uh, Are you proud of what you've done, Jake? Absolutely. I am. It's one of the proudest things I've ever done in my life. The only thing that can possibly beat it out is being married to my wonderful wife and having two wonderful children. That's the only thing that could do it. Um, If I had to tell something to my younger self, it actually wouldn't be, you know, to necessarily change the path that brought me to the military because all of it factored into me becoming the service member and by extension, the man I have become. So whatever path leads you to that door, um, take it, for, take it for what it's worth, both the good and the bad, um, for current students. Uh, one thing I would tell them is very much like what Rockney said is, is don't, don't fall into the, uh, the believing of the stereotypes of what it is to be in the U S military. One of the things that the U S military instills in all of us is to stand up straight, to adapt and overcome any situation that prevents itself. But that involves gathering knowledge and making informed decisions. And if it's something you find yourself thinking about or somebody's talked to you about it and you, you want to find out more, do that, do your research, do your homework, find out what it is you want to get out of the military. And once you've done that, the benefits on the other side are innumerable. Like, again, as Rockney said, the, the people I've met have changed my life and the opportunities that have presented themselves to me are great. The GI Bill is one of them. Uh, I'm currently also a student going to school full time here at UH uh, for a bachelor's and a actually a minor in, uh, in a different associate's degree. And it's all being paid for. It's truly amazing. I've owned a home using that same loan. It's, uh, it gives you the opportunity to meet life head on in a way that you can be proud of. That is something that is a good thing, no matter what anyone else tells you. Uh, to parents, what I would tell them is that your children are going to face this world eventually, one way or another. You prepare them the best you can. The military is just another extension of that. They prepare them mentally, physically, but they carry everything you taught them at first. And if this is something they believe in doing and they want to do, um, support them in it. That's very important. Um, I remember standing on the parade deck on graduation day, looking into the crowd, seeing my whole family there. And it, uh, you know, it really meant something deep uh, to me. There's nothing better than that feeling, knowing that, that you were able to support your young person into the world. Um, even if it is letting them go and trusting that they'll, they'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> outstanding. That was outstanding. Uh, it, boy, 
I should I should probably stop talking. That was that was those were those two uh, statements by you gentlemen were fantastic. I want to just ask one more thing, and then we'll talk about your sisters here just briefly. What do you what advice do you have for those of us at Kamehameha Schools Maui who are adults here that uh, run the school that uh, the powers that be at the school? What uh, what would either one of you say to uh, the school itself? Um, something that you wish the school did or or something of that nature? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I noticed she had a giant greenhouse there. I wish that was there when I was 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 going to school because I'm actually working at a, a farm up here myself now. Uh, one of the, the yeah, <laughs> but no, um, one of the things I would say to the staff and administrators of the school is uh, just kind of like similar to what um, I, I would say to the parents is, you know, if you've got a student who is is talking about some of these things, you know, be that that person that they can come to and talk about. And if you aren't necessarily that person then know who you can direct them to. Um, and don't, don't frame it in such a way that it, it is a negative stereotype. College is great. I think it is, is something important, but it isn't for everyone. It wasn't for me, not at first, but the military changed that for me. So if you're an educator and you want to see someone continue to learn, this is a way to learn, believe it or not. The military is a way to learn. You learn leadership skills. You learn how to actually uptake large amounts of information and put it to good use. And at the end of the day, you know, if college is still something you want to do, it can be paid for by the U.S. military. Okay. So that's uh, yeah. Okay, very good, Rocky. Your thoughts? Um, as far as commandment schools, I think just entertaining the idea to. I guess what you guys are doing right now is awesome. I think that's a great opportunity for students to listen. But also, it's just like like I mean, for our for us ourselves, it's contact information. If anybody at commandment schools, regardless of age, whatever, parents, even if without the student's knowledge, but the student talks about it and the parent wants to call us or email us or whatever, like feel free to. I think Kamehameha should have a network of prior alumni, like what you guys are doing with these podcasts, where not only is it a gateway for them to figure out what they want to do, whether it's college or the military, but like Jake said, when I was in college the first time, I did not pay attention. Now I'm going to college, I'm a 4.0 student. Like the military gave me that. I pay attention and I'm doing maybe eight hours of classwork a week, but that's not because college isn't easy. I mean, college isn't hard it's just with the military training for this stuff but for parents just definitely entertain the idea and then when i was there i didn't want to talk about it like just definitely encourage that positive environment for these students who maybe don't fit into that college cookie cutter picture and they want to push themselves to sort of something else that could be family inspired or personally inspired but that's definitely something that i wish i had when i was going because that would that would have been great versus me just walking blindly into you know the threshold so, okay, very yeah. good. Uh, I want you guys to know that I keep a running list, and we're doing this uh, podcast on Zoom. It will be only on audio, but I want you guys to know that uh, I keep a running list of all of the uh, alumni who are who have served. Uh, I don't know if my list is complete. I hope it is. I have 47 alumni on the list, including uh, uh, three students who just graduated with the class of 2020. My understanding is a uh, young man is going to ship out to, to do Navy basic training next week. So, uh, you know, 47 alumni, only six Marines, Jake, and one of those is a guy who's at the Naval Academy right now who wants to be a Marine. Uh, 17, 17 in the Air Force, Rockney, including, <laughs> including you. So uh, sort of to your point. Uh, okay, Rockney, uh, briefly, uh, your sister Siobhan, class of 06, your sister Shay, class of 09, tell their friends out there listening what those two are up to. I don't know if they'd really appreciate me doing this, but um, my sister Siobhan's still going to school. I think she's working on her doctorate right now. 
awesome. at uh, at UH Maui. And then my other sister's uh, a manager position. She just had her uh, just two kids now. So okay. I have two, uh, one nephew, one niece, and they're doing great. Awesome. All right, uh, Jake, your sister, sister Jenny, class of 09, tell everyone, uh, tell all her friends what she's up to. All right. I'm sure they all already know, or at least most of them. But no, uh, Jenny uh, is currently on Oahu right now, actually. She's traveling back and forth between Maui and Oahu for the uh, the EMT program that they're hosting out there with Kapi'olani uh, Medical Center. And she is, she is um, I was going to say a phrase, but I'm not going to anymore. She's doing very well. Okay. Um, top of her class. And she's looking at coming home eventually to work for AMR if, if all goes well. She's got two kids and she's a uh, She's working hard to make it happen for him. Fantastic. And we should probably note that both these guys are, both of these two guys are back on Maui as well. And so all of these places and all of these things that you've done, it's led you right back home, hasn't it? It's kind of amazing how that works out. And with that, uh, I want to thank Jake Bernardino, Bernardino uh, from the class of 07. And I want to thank Rockney Matsuda from the class of 2010. Uh, I want you to know that I'm very proud of you, but I want you to know that all of us here, uh, all of us adults at Kamehameha Schools are very proud of you two guys and uh, the adults you've become. We're very proud. Uh, and it's, uh, it's people like you that make us uh, do what we do. This is why we become educators. And uh, it's great to see uh, the manifestation of uh, uh, hopefully a little bit of a seed that our school has planted in you and uh, helping you become great adults that you obviously are. So uh, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Rockney. Uh, I want to say uh, mahalo nui loa to everyone out there who is listening. Uh, with this podcast series will continue. Uh, thank you, Mr. Ricard, uh, as well. Thank you. And now for part two of our episode. Uh, Aloha, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast uh, focusing on uh, the military and our alumni who have enlisted in the military. Welcome back to Hikina Rising. I have a new guest uh, to finish up this podcast. Um, I would like our, how uh, how about our new guest, why don't you introduce uh, introduce yourself, our new guest. Go right ahead. Who is this? Hi, my name is Kayla Fernandez, and I am a U.S. Navy sailor. Uh, When did you graduate from Kamehameha Schools, Maui? I graduated in the class of 2020, so okay. you're, yeah, you're, class you're, of 2020. You're a young sprout. Are you 18 years old or 19? Are you 19 yet? I am 18 years old. My birthday was in boot camp. You're, you had your birthday during boot camp. Okay, we're going to get to that's very That's a very yes. cool story. All right, so um, <laughs> you're, you're just getting started on this journey. So why don't you tell us where are you stationed right now? I'm stationed in Pensacola, Florida right now. And what are you exactly doing? Are you going to school? Are you training for a job? Or what exactly are you doing? Yes, right now I'm in school. I'm in class. I'm learning my rate, which is I'm a CTN in the Navy. It's a cryptologic technician um, networks. So right now I'm just in school. I technically haven't been to the fleet yet. And I'm just learning my job. Okay. So explain to everybody how were you allowed to pick a job, uh, pick something that you wanted to do, or did the Navy sort of try to direct you into a particular thing? Um, So the Navy and every other military um, branch, they all have um, specific jobs for their branch. And 
they need to fill um, each amount of jobs with a certain amount of people. So it just depends. The job you get depends on availability and what you get on the ASVAB. Okay. So if you, it's all about like doing your research before you choose your job. So I went into the recruiting office knowing what job I wanted and I scored high enough on the ASVAB to get that job, but it wasn't available at the time. Okay. So I had to choose a different job, but I told them that I wanted that job. So if it ever did become available, if I had to ship out early if I, or if I had to ship out later, I wanted that job. So whatever it takes to get that job, it just depends on what's available when you're trying to. Okay. Join. So when you went into the, when you, when you went into the recruiter's office, what did you tell them was the job you wanted? What exactly did you say? I said I wanted to be a CTN in the Navy. So there, the Navy has a website where they have all their jobs, and like some jobs have more information on them, or some jobs have less. But um, depending on what job you choose, it just because um, some jobs they can't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. I guess okay. so. I just figured I knew like I loved computer stuff, and that CTNs. And, had everything to do with that. So I knew, I just knew I wanted that. <laughs> okay. So would you say what you're doing is the equivalent to going to college or are you strictly in sort of a job training type of thing? Is this the equivalent of like going to class in high school or maybe what you would think of going to class in college? Is that the equivalent to what you're doing right now? Or is this strictly job training? No. So I think it's definitely more related to college right now. Okay. The job training doesn't have, I wouldn't say the job training starts actually starts until I get out into the fleet when I graduate my A school because that's when I I'll actually be doing on the job training. So right now I'm just learning the basics and okay. college. Yeah, it's a lot like college. I'm in my dorms all the time. I have classes set at a certain time. So okay. yeah. What sort of duties do you have as a member of the Navy? What sort of duties, like we think of, well, you must be in the military. You must have some sort of duties that you have to go to. Are there other mm -hmm. duties above and beyond in your, in your average week, for example? What sort of duties may you have above and beyond going to class that are related to the military? Yeah, so we have something called a watch. So basically, we have to, everyone in the military gets assigned um, a duty section. Well, right now I'm in duty section three. There's eight duty sections. It's once every week right now. And basically you have to watch around the campus or where your base, wherever you're at. And you just have to like make sure everything's in check. So these watches can last from two hours to five hours. And they're, it's a 24 hour thing. So you can get it from two to seven o'clock in the morning, 12 to five, mm -hmm. 12 to five in the afternoon. It just depends, but, and there's different watches, like there's a fire watch, you have to go to a building to make sure nothing hazardous is, can cause a fire or just walk around, make sure everything on base is like secured or nothing dangerous okay. or no um, suspicious stuff is happening. Okay. And so this happens, this happens once a week, you're basically saying. So uh, more or less, would you say about once a week? Yes. Okay. So do you, you said you, you mentioned that you go to class, you have particular class times. Do you wear mm -hmm. your uniform wherever you go? Do you have a particular uniform that you have to wear? Like when you go to class, I would assume obviously you would have to mm -hmm. wear a uniform when you're on watch. Oh yes. We definitely a hundred percent have to wear a uniform. 
when our when we're on watch. Um, the uniform we wear depends on what watch it is. Like I can either wear my dress uniform or my working uniform. And then for class, we also have to wear our uniform. It depends on the uniform of the day for that. Usually it's our Navy working uniform. Um, and then we also have um, a Navy working uniform. And yeah, it just... So it all depends. You have several. You um, have several, in the, depending on the oh, situation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that the academics of your class are challenging? Are they rigorous? Are they? Are do you feel like you're getting, dare I say, a good education uh, in the training slash education you're getting? Oh, uh, yes, a hundred percent. It's very depending. It depends on what job you choose. And maybe you know some um, courses are harder. Some are easier. I happened to pick one that wasn't the easiest, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's very scary because um, depending on how well you do in your course, you know, there's always the possibility that you'll get dropped from your rate or your job, because if you're, if you're not passing, they're either going to re-rate you or they send you to the fleet undesignated, which means um, you, you'll basically be doing the the small jobs, whatever the Navy wants you to for the next, however long your contract is. You're, you're basically saying, so you're saying you feel a pressure to perform well. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. If I don't perform well, well, if I'm not passing, I could literally be chipping pay off a ship for the next six years of my contract. Do you like, do you like that feeling of the pressure upon yourself? Do you like that? <laughs> um, I don't necessarily like it but like it keeps me going it pushes me to do more to do better and so i think i think it's good for me okay good all right so uh, let's go back to high school and i wanted to i wanted to say that um when i heard oh kayla fernandez is joining the military she's joining the navy i have to admit that i was surprised by that i and not in a mm -hmm. negative way or anything like that but i was really surprised and i was happy for you so why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, about what your thought process was while you were in high school, while you were a student? Did it start in junior year? Was it strictly a senior year thing? What was sort of the, uh, you know, what was the thing that was the trigger that said, okay, maybe the, maybe the military is something I might want to do? How did it all start for you? Well, it started in junior year. That's when I really started getting worried. I was like, oh, gosh, I need to figure out what I'm doing. I don't even know if I want to go to college or if I'm going to join the military. The military actually has always, like, kind of been a possibility for me because my parents always told me, look, you're either joining, you're going to college on a scholarship or you're going in the military because you're not going to turn 18 and be a couch potato. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I really... I was thinking, I definitely was thinking of going to college, but I had hurt my knee mm -hmm. um, in my sophomore year of high school. And so I always thought that, oh, I was going to get a soccer scholarship. That's my way to go because my family was really big on sports and everything. So I was like, that's what I'm doing. And then I hurt my knee again. Mm -hmm. So I was out for two years, my sophomore and my junior year. Mm -hmm. So it just, uh, it just wasn't looking good when it came to that soccer scholarship. So I kind of had to decide, look, I can't pay for college. I'm not going to make my parent, parents pay for it. So the military was, the Navy was just looking a lot better than college. Okay. So is there some, 
other member of your family or some other individual that you knew that was a military person that you went to and talked to? Was there somebody on campus here at Kamehameha Schools Maui where you were able to talk this out? How did, how did, what was the process you went through to actually do it? Well, I didn't know anyone in the military. I don't really have any family members in the military at all, actually. I started because my mom, she always wanted, she said it would be a good opportunity for me to, um, you know, put myself out there. I'm, my, co- my college would get paid for later on if I ever do decide I want to go to college. I'm going to class right now. I'm still earning college credits right now. And then, so it started with, I took the ASVAB in okay. high school. Right. Um, I think it was either the ending. No, it was in senior year, I believe. Yeah, I took the ASVAB in high school. At that time, I wasn't too, like, focused on joining the military or wasn't too focused on what like I really wanted to do so I just like oh it's just as well everyone says it's easy but it is it's easy it's pretty basic I I don't see a way you couldn't pass the ASVAB you only need like a 30 to pass but it also like your grade on the ASVAB tells you what jobs you can have and the higher you score the more jobs are available to you. And so just to sort of repeat for everybody, we sort of talked about this with my other two guests about their experience with the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery Test. And so uh, they, this is the thing that helps the military sort of determine what route uh, somebody goes. So that's exactly mm-hmm. – so um, uh, your experience with the VASVAB was what it was, and it helped you – did it also sort of help you decide what you wanted to do? There is sort of a – I took it years ago, and I mentioned that, I think, before. Um, there's a part of that ASVAB that is sort of uh, helps people to determine if you're computer ready or something like that. Is that the, mm-hmm. Did you find certain sections easier than other sections? Um, I actually, for that, I took, it was like a separate test from okay. the ASVAB. Okay. Just like, um, uh, it depends like on your ASVAB score. If you take a separate test, then they might consider you more to like for those jobs because there's also there's also the nuke tests for the nuclear jobs oh gosh let me tell you that that one's hard that one's hard (laughs) no know your physics before you decide to go into that but um yeah okay very interesting all right let's let's go forward now so you what when was the final decision? When did you finally say I'm doing it? When it what was the moment where you said I'm going for it? I think it was like a week. No, when I moved to Las Vegas. So you know how the pandemic hit and everything. I had to move to Las Vegas mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and then National College Decision Day came around a couple months or around that time, and I was like, oh my gosh. I have not made a decision of what I'm going to do at all. So it was just then that I was like, look, I need to make a decision. It's either I'm going to college or I'm joining the Navy and I, I couldn't pay for college. So it was as simple as, look, I, I can't go to college. So I'm yeah. joining the military. Yeah. You, your family moved away f- from Maui in the middle of your, in the middle of your senior second semester, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So that you had yes. all kinds of life issues going on. Like mm-hmm. all falling on top of you right at the exact same time. Okay, so mm-hmm. you sign, and when did you when did you leave? When did you leave home to actually go and go to basic training? My ship out date for basic training was August twenty 
fifth, if I remember correctly. It was originally supposed wasn't supposed to be until like November, but I shipped out earlier because like you know how I told you that uh, the job we get depends on yep. our the availability. The job I wanted became available, but I had to ship out earlier, okay. so I shipped out a couple months earlier than and what, what I was, what was supposed your, to. And what was your experience with basic training? It was a. <laughs> it was a. <laughs> It was an experience. Like, um, I didn't completely hate it, actually. Like, basic training, at the end of the day, when I got it out, I was like, well, I just did that. It was fun. Um, well, sometimes it was fun, but it was it was kind of scary, though. When I first got there, I can't tell you how scared I was. I like to say that I'm a pretty strong person, mm-hmm. but being surrounded by a bunch of people that I don't know and getting yelled at right off the bat, getting off the bus oh my god i was so afraid yeah this is one of the things i want to touch upon there's an element that you you know this is scary this whole thing is scary Mm -hmm. you know not only were and and you're doing all of this there's a global pandemic going on i've just graduated from high school my family Mm -hmm. has just moved i'm going to take this big jump and join the navy here i'm going to basic training this must have been really scary there's an element that this must have been really scary oh yeah it was it was really scary. Like, um, how did you over, how did, how did you overcome that? Um, I just thought, you know, well, I'm getting paid and (laughs) if I want (laughs) to, if I want, I'm getting paid to do this. And if I want to get out of here, I have to, I have to pass because if I don't pass, I'm going back home. Was it, if I go back home, it's just a lot of pressure to like Mm -hmm. get through this. You know, I already told everyone I was going to join the military the military. I wasn't about to go back home. Mm-hmm. Was <laughs> um, it, was it physically, uh, you, you know, you mentioned that, and I remember that you had basically two knee operations on the same knee. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. it, was it physically difficult? It, it was at first, like, I wouldn't say the PT requirements and everything we had to do in the Navy was necessarily hard, but like you're constantly being like, you're, sleep deprived the entire time you you have a serious lack of sleep you're tired all the time so everything that you're doing seems that much more harder it's so hard to get out of bed in the morning because you have watch in the middle of the night and you gotta wake up to do a two to four so you can make sure nothing's going on in your compartment or wherever you're staying at it was just if i was in the civilian world doing this stuff i wouldn't I wouldn't say it was hard. It was just, it depends on the situation. Well, you're, you're basically, what you're basically describing is that it was more mentally challenging than it was physically challenging. Oh, yes. If you, you had to be mentally prepared to get through that, like you're, you're, cause you're being yelled at all the time too, to like perform and do better. And it's always like, you don't want to get set back. So that was always a constant fear of mine of getting set back, especially mm-hmm. in the middle of this pandemic, because in the pandemic, if you caught COVID or if you had symptoms of COVID, you'd get mm-hmm. setbacks two weeks. Wow. Two weeks, and no one wants to be there longer than you should should be because boot camp. It's not it's not a fun place to be. Um, you're treated like you're the lowest person in <laughs> a well. You are basically when you first join, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now where did you go do where did you go do boot camp? Where were you for that? You weren't in Pensacola. No, I was in Great Lakes, Illinois. 
Okay. And now, and so when you got sent to Pensacola, what is, so now let's move sort of on to the future. How, uh, you've been in Pensacola most of almost for a year now, or let's see, uh, six months or so now. Yeah. About six months. I got to Pensacola in October. Yeah. Okay. So how much longer will you be in Pensacola? How much longer is this training going to last? How much more do you have to do? That's a, it's a very iffy answer because <laughs> I was <a> my graduation date from my um, my A school, which is the school I'm in now. Every, every your first school that you go to out of boot camp is called your A school. Um, mine was originally supposed to be six months long, but because because of the pandemic, I I got robbed twice. So I think I'd have a I got set back about three weeks in my A school after my Christmas leave. So I was on ROM for two weeks. No, I was on ROM for a week. And then, cause my, one of my instructors caught COVID. So my whole class got ROMs. And then when I went back, I got back for a day. And then my second instructor caught COVID. So I had to run for another two weeks. It was just, it's very crazy. So right now my projected graduation day is July, but, um, I don't know whether I'll, I'll be getting Ron again. Okay. Which well, is like, sorry, Ron is like. That was my next question. What are you, when you say that, that, what do you mean by, what is that? Is that an acronym? It's quarantine. You're getting okay. quarantined for that amount of time. Sorry. I just, the lingo here is just stuck in my brain. I, I don't even notice. I'm, I'm thinking of things that no one else knows I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you're in the military. <laughs> That's all good. The time. So now what, what are your hopes about, uh, you have not done any training at sea yet, is what you're also saying, correct? You have not been yes. on a boat. No, but oh. that's that's a crazy thing. Actually, I'm probably never going to be on a boat unless I request it. Like, usually they give you your orders, you're going on depo- okay. deployment, this or exactly, you have shore duty. This is exactly my next question. My, okay, what do you hope for the future? What are you, What what is your goal? What are you hoping the future holds for you in the Navy? Um, I, well, I hope the future holds for me in the Navy. I just want to, basically I did this because, you know, I wasn't getting my college paid for. So I want to eventually, like, I just want to get my life together. Um, I'm getting paid. I want, I want to go to college later on. And uh, I mean, there's just so much I want to do, I guess. But like, uh, so it just depends on my timing. It, are you are mm-hmm. you interested in going to sea? You, you're saying that you may not. Are you interested in going out to sea? I definitely, I definitely am. Just because I would want to travel, and I would, at least I'm in the navy. I don't want to be in the navy for however many years I decide and have never been on a on a boat mm-hmm. or a ship. Mm-hmm. I I feel like that's kind of like <laughs> <What's the point? laughs> it's kind of funny, like. Yeah, like, why did I join the Navy? So I definitely, I definitely want to experience it. Um, so you saw, uh, you listened in on my discussion with the two other guys, the the two alumni, mm-hmm. one from the Marines and one from the Air Force, and you sort of listened in on what those guys had to say about their careers and the ending of their careers. What were just sort of your general thoughts about what those guys had to say? What What were your thoughts about that? Uh, well, I thought, wow, that could be me. They're they seem very like 
set in life. Like they have everything paid for, they got their houses in. Um, and I was just like, that could be me one day. Like I could mm-hmm. finally have my life together. I my college paid for, I got my bills set. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting to listen to those guys sort of talk about how when they came out of high school, there was a lot of questions. And I think maybe you can relate to this. When mm-hmm. you, when high school ended and even towards the end of high school, there were some expectations. Well, you go do this. Um, but there were still mm-hmm. question marks. And now as adults, they feel very settled in their lives. Is that sort of what mm-hmm. you got uh, sort of maybe feel like or got from that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I never like when I was thinking of joining the military, there wasn't really anyone around me thinking of it either. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it was, it was a weird thing for me. It was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't, I don't know. No one else is doing it, but at the end of the day, I need to do what was best for me. And it was the military. And I honestly, I was a little biased, but I think, I think the military is better than college. Okay. Very interesting. I'm getting paid to go to, I'm getting paid to go to school um, I look at all my friends and how they're in college right now. And I'm like, you know what? That could be me. Like, they look like they're having fun. But like, I just keep going back to like, you know what? I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid to go to school, do this job. And then I also have more credits. I get my VA loans to buy a house when, whenever I want. Um, okay. Very interesting. All right. Let me ask you a couple more questions. Uh, one of them is, how many how many girls do you see? How many females do you see in the Navy? Are, are there are you um, in a great minority in the Navy? How many how many girls are there? I mean, I would say there there's a lot of females in the Navy, but it definitely doesn't compare to the amount of males. Like the ratio, the male to female ratio in the Navy is like the males out outnumber us by far. Okay, but um, I don't know. You just have to like stand your ground all the time. Like don't let anyone walk over you because they'll try. They'll try. Okay. So, so let me ask you this sort of my big final question. What, what message would you have for a kid who is a senior or junior at your old high school at Kamehameha schools, Maui high school? Mm -hmm. What, what message, what would you say to somebody who is going through maybe sort of similar, what you were going through? What, what would you say to our listening audience? What would I say? Oh, gosh. I'm terrible at giving you advice. Hold on. <laughs> I would say um, explore all options. Like, you know, there's a lot of stigma around, like, the military and, oh, we're going to go to war and all this. But um, just don't don't close any doors before, like, before you have the chance to, like, take a peek. Okay. Oh, gosh. That was terrible. No, that was good. That was very good. All right, Kayla Fernandez, class of 2020. Why don't you tell us real fast, uh, your sister, Kimani, class of 2018. What is she doing? Go ahead. Boom. <laughs> she's she's still in Alaska right now. She's on, still on her basketball scholarship in Alaska, Anchorage, playing for them. Okay. And she's she's doing great up there. Oh, how often she, do you talk- she got extended. How, how often do you talk to her? Um, I talk to her pretty often. Good. <laughs> I would say um, maybe once a week. Oh, good. Oh, that's better. that's more than I thought. Okay, very good. I'm glad to hear that. 
Okay. Uh, I've, been right. trying. I've been super busy, so. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, Kayla Fernandez, uh, we want you all to know that we're very proud of you. All of us here are very proud of you, and uh, we really admire what you've done and what you are doing, and we all wish you the best of luck, and we're very grateful for you uh, for joining us. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right. Have a good day. All right. So uh, this is going to be the end of our podcast. Uh, Hikina Rising. Uh, remember, Hikina Rising is uh, a gateway for our alumni, a resource for our students, and it's a good listen for our school Ohana. And I want to thank Lisa Correa one more time, our founding, um, our founder of this uh, endeavor. I want to thank my man, Koholo Ricard. Mr. Ricard, thank you so much. Uh, I want to say mahalo nui loa to our three guests, Jake Bernardino, Rockney Matsuda, and Kayla Fernandez. I really appreciate all three of you uh, joining me for my uh, vision of uh, a three-part podcast. And we will be looking forward to seeing and uh, seeing and hearing from all of you in the future. Uh, God bless all of you, th uh, you three, my three guests. Thank you so much. God bless you. And uh, thank you all for listening. Aloha. Aloha.